What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is the bodyweight master himself, the calisthenics king, one of them at least. Al Cavadlo came on the show today to talk shop, talk bodyweight training, and talk about his specific story. So a lot of people know Al Cavadlo because he is one of the, like I said, the bodyweight kings. Him and his brother have made, him and his brother Danny have made noise in the industry when it comes to dispelling the myths behind bodyweight training. Can you do it to build muscle? Can you do it to increase strength? Can you do it to burn fat? Can you only do bodyweight training and build the physique that you want? Well, the answer is yes, and you can probably save your joints in the process, but there is caveats here and there. There's pros and cons, and there's a way around everything. There's a, a reason for everything, and there is no one-size-fits-all. So what is cool about this podcast is that I sat down and I talked to a guy who only trains body weight. He goes around the world teaching certifications. He writes phenomenal books for Dragon Door who, that sell out completely across the world, I'm sure, has a crazy YouTube channel. Like This guy is very, very well known and all he does is body weight training. But the coolest part about him, the thing I respected so much and what I really loved about this interview is that he is not dogmatic. Every single time I opposed a question to him or I asked him something about body weight training and assumed he would give me a dogmatic, biased opinion about it, telling me why bodyweight training is better, given that he is, I mean, he's all about bodyweight training, he actually would say, like, you know, adherence is the most important thing. Having fun is the most important thing. Consistency is the most important thing. Variability is good. Diversity is good. You can, barbells are great. Dumbbells are break, great. Kettlebells are great. I just prefer bodyweight training. That's what I'm great at. That's what I'm going to teach people with. That's what I want to master. That's what gets me going. That's what keeps me motivated to challenge myself and set new goals, so on and so forth. So to have a guy who specializes in one thing openly say that nothing is like there is no one best thing, I love that and I respect that. And it made me want to jump into some of the stuff he does so much more. So we get into Al's story specifically from where he used to be in a big box gym working client after client after client, selling out clients and literally just kind of living that whole new trainer mentality where you're just in the gym constantly working with people and how he actually started shifting into his own realm of entrepreneurship. Then he started getting outside more and going into this bar work and then he became very well known for his calisthenics training. Him and his brother started coming out with a lot of books and content, YouTube videos. Then they started teaching courses. Like We went through his whole story and then we got into specifics like dispelling the myth of can you build muscle with just body weight training? Can you build strength? What's best for conditioning and fat loss? Um, joint health his goals, why goal setting is an important thing and how you can twist that to make sure that you're actually more motivated than just looking at the the scale weight. We touched on a lot of cool things and I really, really enjoyed not only this conversation, but just this dude. I mean, we got off the show and started talking tattoos, started talking about um, he has a daughter on the way. I just had a daughter, like really, really good guy. You guys are really going to enjoy this interview and I'm excited to bring it to you. Before we get into this episode, two quick announcements. Guys, I say this every time and I would really appreciate it if you did it again. Take a screenshot right now of this show you are listening to. Tag myself, Cody.BoomBoom, and tag Al Cavaldo. Uh, tag us on Instagram. Put it on your story. Put it on your newsfeed. Shit. Put it on Facebook. Tag us on there. Put it on Snapchat. Put it wherever you go normally for social media and you can share it with others who could benefit from this show. When you guys do that, it reaches more people and that helps me grow the show more than anything else and I truly appreciate it when you do. The other thing you can do to help this show grow is actually donate. We are a Patreon service now, so you can go to patreon.com slash boom boom if you want to donate a small amount of money per month to the show so we can continue to grow this show and invest in it so you can get more and more free content. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to the interview with Al Cavaldo. Yeah. Al, I'm pumped to get you on the show, man. Like I told you before we started recording, I've had numerous people reach out to me. I've listened to you on multiple podcasts. I've listened to you on Jay's podcast multiple times. So I'm pumped to get into everything. And what I want to start with first, um, because this part I do not know, is I want to know your background. I want to know how you got into not just fitness, but body weight and everything you do today, speaking and, and doing these events that you're doing now, the writing of the books. So why don't you kind of bring us back and tell us where it all started? Yeah. Um, so my journey began as a teenager. When I was 13, like a lot of young guys, I decided I wanted to start working out because I wanted to put on some muscle. I felt kind of insecure about my appearance as a skinny kid. 
And I started with calisthenics, not really because I knew I wanted to be a body weight guy necessarily, but because I didn't have anything else. I started doing push-ups on my floor. I didn't have any gym. I didn't have any equipment. And I got a chin-up bar, a doorway chin-up bar for my 13th birthday. And it was just push-ups and pull-ups in the beginning for me. And I got to high school, I started doing weight training. And at that point, I still was just doing upper body stuff. So I you know, learned about bench presses and curls and military press and stuff like that. And by the time I got to college, I started to get more serious and started actually working my legs. You know, that young guy thing, like you just care about the, the chest and the arms at first. Oh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I started doing squats and deadlifts and, and all that good stuff in my early 20s. And then I decided to embark on a career in personal training when I was 23. So I had graduated college a couple of years before that, had a job actually as a ESL teacher, which is English as a second language, because I have a degree in English. There's not a lot of jobs you can get with an English degree other than English teacher. I did that for a year and I realized early on that it was not where I wanted to go with my life. And during the time I was, you know, really into working out, spent a lot of my free time at the gym. And eventually it just kind of hit me one day like, oh, maybe I could get involved in the fitness industry. So I got, you know, personal trainer certification. I started with a certification from ACE, American Council on Exercise. I think that's one of the ones that a lot of people get started with, at least in the U.S., and I got a job at a gym. They hired me to do a, what they call fitness floor manager, which is really like a, a glorified towel boy. You, know, you got to bring out fresh towels, ask people if they need anything, re-rack weights that people leave lying around on the floor. So I did that for a while. And then eventually, even though I had already had my ACE certification before they even hired me for that job, you know, you have these misconceptions at the beginning, like I'm going to get my cert and boom, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to have all these clients. So it was definitely a bit of a rude awakening in the beginning. But, you know, eventually I, I started working as a trainer and little by little, I wanted to know more about every modality that there was out there. You know, working in the gym, you see so much different stuff and you're exposed to so many different trainers with different styles. And, uh, you know, I tried, like I said, I was doing a lot of weights then. I was still doing pull-ups and push-ups as part of my workouts. But I, you know, saw people doing things with kettlebells and medicine balls and sandbags and, you know, more of what you could call functional type training. And then one day I saw somebody do for the very first time a pistol squat. And I had a thought that I think a lot of people who are strong with weights can do a lot of barbell squats think when they see that, like, oh, I should be able to do that. My legs are strong. I can squat a lot of weight. What's the big deal? Pick up a foot and do a squat on the other leg. And you, you know where this is going, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was very much not able to do it. And it was, you know, it was a humbling thing. And it, you know, made me reevaluate my workouts because I was like, if I want to learn this move, what do I need to do differently? But then it also just made me rethink, well, what does it even mean to be strong? If I can move all this weight, but I can't do this, what seems to be relatively simple body weight exercise, am I really as strong as I think I am? So that was kind of a, a gateway into more other calisthenics moves. And, you know, not that long after I saw the pistol squat. Eventually I did get it, but then I had a new challenge. I saw someone do a handstand push-up, and I had a similar thought like, oh, I can overhead press a lot of weight. I should be able to go upside down and do a handstand push-up. And of course, you know, I started lowering myself down, just came crashing down on my head the first bunch of times I tried it. But, you know, eventually I got the hang of that. And then, you know, a little by little seeing other things. I remember seeing a muscle up for the first time. And you'd think I would have learned my lesson by now, but I had that same thought like, oh, I can do lots of pull-ups. I can do dips. This should be a cinch. And then, of course, I couldn't do it. I had to put a lot of time and work into it. And over time, I was just phasing out a lot of the other strength training I was doing to make room for all these new bodyweight exercises that were appealing to me. So after a while, pretty much all I was doing was bodyweight. And I remember I was still working at a gym at this time. This was uh, about 10 years ago now. This was like the late 2000s. I remember having this thought like, man, what am I even really doing here at this gym? I'm just using the floor and the pull-up bar and maybe the dip bars and like barely even touching the other equipment. And yet the manager or owners of the gym are getting like half of what I'm getting paid for the session. So little by little, I started training people outside at a local park. And that, that was when, for me, it really became clear that I wanted to go on a different path and pursue this bodyweight stuff. I started seeing more and more new things. Like I was mentioning before, you know, pistol squat, handstand push-up, muscle-up. These were things that were new. And then after those things weren't new, now at the park I was seeing all sorts of stuff, you know, 
front levers and planches and all sorts of things that I just didn't even know were humanly possible. And it really just made me want to go even deeper into this. And you get to a point where if you're choosing to specialize in something, you have to forego other things to do that. And uh, that's kind of, I guess, the, the short story of how I became a, a calisthenics practitioner. And then at that point, you know, like, like uh, you were telling me before we were recording, you know, you start putting this stuff out online, you start blogging, you start reaching more people, and it's encouragement to want to pursue it further. So once I started my blog, that was in 2009, I started putting stuff up on YouTube and people started reacting to it. And it was partially just a, a matter of, you know, having good timing. You know, I was one of the first people that was really putting out content about this sort of training at that time. And then things, things grew. So back then, did you, cause now like tell the audience what you do with a lot of your stuff now, as far as uh, coaching and workshops and stuff like that. And, and was that the, the big picture or back then were you really just like, man, I just love this stuff and I'm just going to do it and see who it attracts. Like what was the big plan back then? Well, I, I did have a, th a thought that I wanted to write a book. So that was sort of a, a thing I'd had in my mind for a while back when I was still working at the gym. But I was so busy, I was doing so many hours at the gym. You know, when you work at a place like that and you're actually a good trainer, they're just like, let's give this guy all the clients because they'll actually renew and just, you, it's almost like you get punished for doing a good job. They want you there at 6 a.m., they want you there at 7 at night, they want you there all day in between. Yeah. So I was getting burned out on that, which was part of why I left. But that, that freed up a lot of time for me to write more. And that was also when I was really getting myself into blogging. So I self-published a book in 2010. And then by self-publishing standards, that did pretty well. And it eventually landed me a book deal with a publisher called Dragon Door Publications. And I've been working with them for a lot of years since. I've done seven books now, the self-published one and six more with Dragon Door. And then they've also, as you were alluding to, they've helped me establish myself as a, a instructor that goes worldwide and teaches certifications. We've been doing a venture together. It's called the Progressive Calisthenic Certification, the PCC. And that's been going on for a little over five years now. So me and I have a brother named Danny who also does a lot of the same stuff as me, has a very similar backstory as me. And we've been in this business together for a long time. And now we travel together. We teach this body weight progressive calisthenic certification to trainers all over the world. And we spread our, our love and we spread the knowledge. And it's, it's really an amazing position to be in. And, and to answer the question that led me on this long tangent, no, I did not foresee this happening earlier on in my career. There was a time when I was very, very happy just to be making a living doing fitness at all. And when I was working at the gym, before I got to that point that I got burned out where they were grinding me down too much, I was so grateful, like, wow, this is amazing. I get to do something I really like and I feel passionate about, and I get to wear sneakers. <laughs> and it was, it, was a, it was a very great point just to get there. So everything that's happened since, you know, I, I guess I've readjusted my expectations a little bit, as, as people often do. You know, you lose sight of the big picture. So it's good to think back and be reminded of how grateful I was just to do that. Because you know, no matter what you have in life, sometimes you get frustrated that you don't have more. And yeah. I'm, I'm guilty of that like anybody else. Absolutely, dude, I love it. So um, can, you, can you actually break down what goes on in your courses? Because I'm even interested, Absolutely. just like, I wanna know from start to finish, what can people expect when they go to these courses? Because some of the yes. stuff you guys do is just, and I'm sure you, this is probably what caused your, um, I guess you can call it addiction or obsession to this calisthenics movement is, it's unbelievable. Um, and I've had too many experiences where I'm like, oh, I could probably do that. And then the first time I was like, let me try a human flag. And I was just <laughs> embarrassed. It's like, this is not happening. So when someone goes to a course, what goes down? Yeah. So we try to teach the course both so people can be instructors of this stuff and practitioners, because there's a lot of trainers who come to these things because you get continuing education. If you have a you know, an A certification, I mentioned them before, you know, most of the other major certifying bodies will give you CEUs for this. So we do get a lot of trainers and we want them to not necessarily feel like they have to try to do a human flag with everybody that they work with because that's not realistic. So right. we do focus a lot on beginner level progressions and just dialing in a lot of uh, subtleties of form. So we start with push-ups and, you know, even knee push-ups and real regressed variations. And then we get into progressions toward one-arm push-ups. We get into pull-ups. We do the same thing. We start with how do you work with a beginner if they can't do a pull-up? And what techniques are we gonna to employ to get them to their first pull-up? 
And then for the people there who are, you know, hopefully going to be able to do a lot of pull-ups if they're at the PCC, we talk about more advanced techniques, uh, progressions toward a one-arm pull-up, progressions toward the muscle-up. And then we get into even more advanced upper body exercises. The human flag, which you mentioned, the front lever, the back lever. That's the first day as we cover all that material. And again, we try to teach various progressions. So obviously not everyone's going to be ready to do a human flag or a back lever or a front lever. But we show modifications where you have your knees bent, your body is offset in a way that changes the leverage to kind of help you get a feel for the exercise and then you can progress beyond that. And then on the second day, we do all the squat progressions. Again, starting with just basic, how do you get a beginner to do a proper two-legged squat? Because I'm sure you've trained lots of people who couldn't even do that. And then we progress up to pistol squats and other one-legged variations, and we get into back bridging, and we get into a couple of other moves like L-sits and skin the cats. And then we have a test at the end of the second day because we don't want people to just show up and get certified if they can't actually do the basics. So the test just tests people on squats, push-ups, hanging knee raises, and pull-ups. For men, the test is 40 squats, 30 push-ups, 20 hanging knee raises, 10 pull-ups. Women do the same test, except we have them do knee push-ups instead of full push-ups, and they do a, a body weight row instead of a full pull-up. And at the end of the second day, everyone who passes gets their official PCC certification. Everyone who attends, even if they don't pass, gets a certificate of attendance, which is good for the CEUs. And then, uh, you know, then we could have a pull-up jam. People could do whatever other moves they've been wanting to try one more time. And part of what I love about these certifications is when you get everyone in the room together, you know, for the most part, it's all calisthenics enthusiasts. Like I said, sometimes trainers just show up, they want CEUs, and this happens to work with their schedule. But for the most part, it's people who are into calisthenics training. Sometimes they're not even trainers at all. They're just people who are really passionate about this stuff. But you get everybody together, and the energy just gets so intense, and people just start setting PRs. Because once one person sees their buddy you know, hit that human flag, they're like, oh, snap, he just did that? And they're so much more motivated. You know, people see, maybe they see me on YouTube, and they, they think, oh man, I'll never be able to do that. You know, Al has magical powers with his wizard beard or whatever. <laughs> but when they see someone who's just a regular person in real life do it, it's a different thing. And, and a lot of time when people meet me in person, they're happy to see that I am just a regular guy. And it's like, oh, you know, you seemed like I saw you on YouTube and it seemed like you were, were a big shot or whatever. I say, no, I'm just, I'm just a guy too. So I try to do that for people. You know, I try to be that guy who people say, oh, this guy can do that move. Maybe I can do it. I think that's so important for people to realize because most people who are in really good shape, who do this for a living, they really are just average people who just committed to something and just, just kept practicing and practicing. And, and like you said, I think one of the coolest things about those events, um, most events in our industry is like just the environment and the atmosphere of all these people that are like-minded getting together um, and just doing cool stuff and send PRs. And um, one thing I would love to kind of pick your brain on is what do you think is like the biggest limiting factor when you see people as far as like stopping them from doing some of these cool body weight exercises? Cause there's like that gap. And, and I'm curious on your thoughts on this too, is like, how come I can't do a pistol squat perfectly, but I can squat 400 pounds. Like why doesn't that transfer and what is holding these people back? Well, I think a lot of the time, it's a great question, by the way, and it's, it's hard to pinpoint any one thing, but I think a lot of the time people underestimate how much work goes into these body weight skills. And like I was saying about myself in the beginning, you're doing this hypothetical, you know, math in your head thinking, oh, well, I can barbell back squat my body weight for 10 reps. So if I pick up a leg, that's like my body weight, but it's just a different thing. And it's, it's not as simple as that. The, the body awareness aspect of it and the whenever you're on one leg there's a whole balance component and a stability component that you don't realize how much your legs are playing off of each other when you're on two legs but even skills that aren't a one-legged skill necessarily like the flag they just in addition to involving a lot of strength they're just proprioceptively challenging in a way that moving you know a fixed object on on a, a track like you would do on a lot of machines at the gym that really allows you to put maximum force behind it because there's no nuance to, to the movement. There's, there's no way to really do it wrong. 
if you're just, you know, sliding something down a track. I mean, people in the gym, I guess they find ways to do things wrong. I'm sometimes dumbfounded, but you, you hopefully get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, what do you think is the, I guess, what's the best way for people to start working on it then? Um, because, or even what you guys do in the cert, like what is the beginning regression that they need to start with if they're at that place where let's say they are the guy that assumed they could do X, Y, Z, and they found out they couldn't, where do they start? Yeah. Because obviously back squatting isn't helping them. Well, sometimes the, the, the most important thing is just to have a good foundation in the basics. That's part of why we have that test designed the way that it is. Cause the fact of the matter is if you've got a guy who can't do 10 good pull-ups and can't do 30 good push-ups. That needs to be his first priority before he's worried about doing a muscle up or doing a human flag because those advanced skills aren't going to come without a, a decent amount of foundational strength. And sometimes you get people who are strong in the weight room. And this is the other thing, I guess, that holds people back is people are in denial about how much fat they're carrying. And body weight training is a hard reality check if you're one of those people. You get people in the weight room who can move a lot of external weight. They're, they got a good deadlift, a good squat, a good bench, whatever. But they're, they're overweight. And as soon as their own body weight is the resistance, because they're now they're doing a push-up or a pull-up, it, it changes everything. And I think if people aren't willing to get leaner, then they're going to have a hard time with this calisthenic stuff. That being said... Getting that 30 push-ups, getting that 10 pull-ups, I think that bodyweight training has a really great effect in that it builds strength, but also I think your body kind of understands that it has to get more efficient to accommodate these things that you're asking of it. And hopefully it, it helps you burn more fat. But yeah. really, well, people got to change their diet too. People, people just eat too damn much. <laughs> I know I, that was a lot. <laughs> no, I, to- I totally agree. And I totally get it. What, do you- what about measuring the strength progress? Like, um, I'm curious of, for a bodyweight squat, I think is the best example. Like, yes, there's a progression to the pistol squat. At what point yeah. do you recommend your clients like, okay, like you've mastered this, we should add external weight, or is there enough progressions where people can actually keep getting stronger through just body weight? Yeah, you know, I want to be perfectly clear that I have nothing against weight training, because I feel like it may have sounded like I was attacking it a little bit. It's a great way to get strong. It's something that I did myself for a long time. It's something that I wholeheartedly acknowledge will get people results if they do it with consistency and with effort. But I happen to just personally find the calisthenic stuff more interesting and more enjoyable at this point in my life. I think a lot of the time uh, people are so concerned about, well, what's the benefit of this thing going to be? And I'm like, the benefit is you could do a pistol squat. The benefit is you can do a handstand, you know, it, 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 the, the, this thing itself is where the, the joy comes from. And, you know, people are so hung up on results and goals and getting leaner and getting bigger and gains and all of this stuff. And that stuff's great. But part of what I think makes my philosophy different from a lot of what's in the fitness world is I often tell people the opposite, you know, don't worry too much about the goal. Try to find something you like, whether it's weight training, whether it's body weight training, whether it's something else. If you find something that you like and you're into it and you want to do it, the results are going to come because you're going to just keep doing the thing. And these different modalities have different results in terms of the, what you could call the specificity principle. You know, you get better at that, which you do. But if all you want is to be fit and healthy and stronger than the average person, You can do whatever you want. Just got to do something. Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt this awesome episode with Al, but I want to let you guys in on a really, really cool thing that I just launched. What I just launched is called the Boom Boom Elite. This is a membership site that I have been working on for a long time. It has monthly training programs completely periodized so you can stop guessing when you go to the gym and you can make sure that you're actually following an intelligent program that phases every single month so you know you're making progress. I filmed a ton of exercise demonstration videos to make sure that you not only can see visually what these lifts are supposed to look like, but actually hear me talk to you and talk you through the lifts themselves. Add to that, I even included interviews with exclusive people who will not be on this podcast. These are exclusive interviews that will only be released inside of the membership site. These are 
experts in their own realm, whether it's Jason Phillips talking about workout nutrition, Brian Borstein talking about cardio and conditioning, Dr. Sean Pastouche talking about mobility, recovery, so on and so forth, and so many other expert individuals throughout the world who I am bringing into the membership site to make sure that you guys are being educated on the top research and the top coaching information to get the best results possible. I'm going to keep adding to that though. You get inside of a private Facebook forum where you can ask me any question specifically about your training, your nutrition, your supplementation. You can even post your own videos of you doing the lifts so I can critique your form and help you better perform those lifts. Keep going. We, I added resources. The recipe guide is on the way. The nutrition hierarchy is in there. The supplement guide. All these different resources. I'm literally pouring so much information into this membership site to make sure that you are training smart, you are training properly, and you are getting the most out of your hard work, your recovery, your nutrition, everything you can possibly imagine. And to give you full access to my team so you can constantly have accountability, support, your questions answered, and guidance throughout your journey. I'm so fired up, as you can tell, about this membership site that I decided to release it to a small group of individuals. This is the beta group. For the first month, we're going to let these individuals inside the group to run through everything and give us their honest feedback so we can keep developing things and make it even better for them. Adding to that, not only are they going to get access to it early, but they're going to get a discounted rate for life. So once you are in on this beta group, you are in there for life. See, I had a small group of individuals who actually opted in to be in this group. The problem was when I sent the email out to let them in, I actually went into spam into the promotions tab for a lot of people who have Gmail. This is an issue because we didn't fill the spots. So I wanted to tell you guys so you guys can have an opportunity to jump in this membership site because if you listen to this podcast, you're trying to better your results and I can guarantee that you're going to love this site. So if you want a chance to get in the Boom Boom Elite, which this link and this price will only be available for us this week, you can click the link in the description. It's called boomboomperformance.com slash elite. That's the URL. That's the link you can visit. You can see exactly what's included. You can watch a video where I break down every single thing that is in the membership site so you have full transparency and details about what you'll be receiving for an extremely low price. You can check that out now. You can opt in now. You can get in on this lifetime guaranteed price only now. So act now, guys, if you want to be inside of it. And if you have any questions at all, free feel to shoot me an email at cody at boomboomperformance.com. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the interview with Al. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's what appeals to me the most about bodyweight training is, uh, and it was actually the pistol squat that got me. I had a, I've always played soccer and I had a buddy on my team that did a pistol squat to the soccer ball and then popped right back up like it was a piece nice. of cake. And I couldn't do it. And that's what drove me crazy. And then I got to a point where I could actually hold a kettlebell and do it. And it was like the coolest thing. But it meant so much more to me than the first time squatting 315 because it's just a number. And, and I already did 300 right. and 315 is just 315. So um, I totally agree. Um, going back to how that question, and, and I know that you're not against weight training, but I am still curious of what is your guys' measurements for progressions? Like when do you tell people, all right, you're strong enough at the squat and yeah. you can move on. And then also, like, do you have quality control on that? Yes. So, you know, again, this goes back to the test that we do at the PCC certification. 40 squats is a good baseline. 40 body weight squats, full range of motion, all the way down, all the way up. No swinging, you know, no momentum, controlled reps. You, I want people to be able to do that before they're going to try a pistol squat because their connective tissue needs to be strong enough to handle that one-legged squat. That's something that people who are you know against the pistol squat often attack and they're like that's bad for your knees because sometimes people do try it when they're not ready and they they can mess up their knees so if you're not strong enough to do 40 basic body weight squats the pistol is too advanced for you and then once you can do 40 basic body weight squats it's not like you're ready to jump right into a pistol well it's then you're ready to do easier one-legged squat variations maybe one where you're holding onto a, a pole or a TRX or some kind of handle so you can use your arms to assist yourself. And then gradually over time, you can rely less and less on your arms. And, you know, for the push-up, the same thing. You know, I'm not going to have someone try a one-arm push-up if they don't have 30 solid two-arm push-ups. I'm not going to have somebody try some of the advanced pull-up variations if they don't have 10 good basic pull-ups first. So those are my, you know, real general ballpark guidelines for being, I guess, at an intermediate level and no longer being a beginner. Love it. How do you spice up variation? 
that's something I've been really curious about is like kind of just digging into like how you actually train. I think one of the benefits of using whatever the resistance modality you use is kettlebells, dumbbells, like things, there's so many variations. Um, you, you can do something different every day. How do you program your stuff and how do you make sure that you're changing it up? Or do you focus on not changing up at all until you master what you're working on? No, I definitely cycle around from different skills. You know, I might work on a set of moves for a little while, make some progress and start to feel like I'm plateauing and then find other variations. As a general rule, I try to be well-rounded with my training, make sure I'm working my legs on a regular basis, make sure I have a good balance between pushing and pulling exercises. But, you know, the specific moves that I do, I have periods in my training where I'm focused on doing really advanced skills, where maybe I'm training a lot of front levers and back levers and human flags and one-arm push-ups and handstand push-ups. But I can only do that for so long until it starts to become overload for not just my muscles, but my nervous system when you're working on so many advanced skills for six or eight weeks. So if I feel like I'm getting plateaued or burned out or regressing on, on some of those moves, then I'll switch to a cycle. And this is actually what I've been doing for the last few weeks of my training. All I've been doing is just basic stuff. I do maybe 50 push-ups, 50 dips, and then 50 body weight rows, and then 50 pull-ups or something like that. And that's, that's the workout. And on a leg day, I might just do 200 body weight squats and 200 lunges. And I'm just trying to keep my reps low and kind of let my body recharge. So after I do this for a little while, then I'm kind of rejuvenated. I can go back and practice more advanced skills again. But if you just do, it's the same thing in weight training, right? If you just start working at that 95 or 90% of your one rep max all the time, you're just going to destroy yourself. You have to scale it back and periodize. Do you guys use isometrics at all within that to uh, if you're really working on building strength? Because obviously that's a good metric for for improving your strength. Yeah, totally. Some of the some of the moves I was just mentioning, human flag is very much an isometric exercise, front levers, back levers. I mean, some of these moves you can do them dynamically, but I definitely practice static holds. Those they're great for building strength. They're great for building mental strength. Absolutely. What I mean, do you feel like people underestimate because even just the workout you just talked about, like 50 push-ups, 50 squats. People like you said, yeah. you said it and I'm kind of like, okay, that seems pretty short. And then I really like think about it. You start doing it and you're on your seventh set of pull-ups and you're only getting three reps on that seventh set. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, I still have to do two more sets of three to hit my 50. And then I got to do this other thing. It, it, it could definitely add up. So how do you make sure that um, yourself personally and somebody else, I think what I've done in the past by mistake is so, so I have a home gym. So, so I can catch myself doing this sometimes. I work out alone doing pull-ups. You're getting tired and you just, let me just get these done. And yeah. your quality control goes to shit. What you know, I'm do glad you, you brought this up because this is exactly why I try to focus on a given number in a given workout, because as soon as I feel like getting close to failure, I stop the set. So one, one of my favorite ways to train, and I almost took this for granted when I was talking to you about it, but it is something that a lot of coaches don't do, even though it's really simple, I think, is just set a goal number of I'm going to do this many reps of this many exercises. Not it has to be three sets of 10, not it has to be six sets of five, but I'm just going to go by feel. I don't want to go to failure, but I want to get near that. So on pull-ups, you know, say if you're pretty strong on pull-ups, maybe your first set, if you were to go to failure, you'd hit 15. Well, maybe you just do 12 on that first set. You rest for a minute, you do your second set, maybe you get, get eight or nine on the second set. Third set, maybe you get seven or eight. If you've got 50 as a goal number, you're gonna be having to do a lot of sets to get there. But eventually, you'll get in fewer sets. And then your first set, maybe you can do 17, 18 now and still feel like you've got a couple in the tank. And I think that's a great way to, one, make sure that you're maintaining good form because you're stopping shy of doing those sloppy reps. And you're, drilling in the good form because you're doing a lot of volume of clean form. So your body just kind of gets used to doing it that way. And then beyond that, you're, you're getting the volume in and you're going to get the strength gains. You're going to get the muscle gains too, but you're, you're ensuring that the quality comes first. I actually love that way of doing it, even no matter what you're training with. Cause I had a, so I had a coach way back that actually did this with me and Typically, you know, you do like, let's say a five by five program, you're about 80, 85% of your one rep max and you have to do five by five. Well, he told me, he knew what I lifted. He was like, put this on the bar. I want you to deadlift 25 reps, 
stop one to two reps of failure every single time. And it ended up not being five by five. I got the same volume in, but I'm sure my tissue, my low back, everything was a lot better off. And like you said, I'm sure this applies, especially with body weight training is like, if you're going to build muscle, it's probably got to be strict form, especially because you're only using your body weight. Well, the, the thing with the strict form is I, I've seen guys, I'm sure you've seen this too, right? They're jacked. And then you watch them work out and their form is terrible. And they're using like half range of motion on everything. And you're like, God damn, how is that guy getting away with that? So as far as strict physique goals go, I mean, I got to be honest, and I always tell people a lot of it is genetic. And that's not to say that nobody can, that some people aren't capable of being fit or being lean because everyone can be fit. Everyone can be lean. And very, very few people will ever actually reach their full potential. But some guys can just do any workout and boom, they're just going to get jacked and they're, they're lucky. And I'm not hating. I'm just saying, you know, you can't look at someone's physique and judge if they can really move well. And that's what I'm getting at here is doing better form makes you a better mover overall, which I think makes you less likely to get injured and just makes it easier to do things in a day-to-day life. You know, I'm always amazed when I see guys, you know, and you've probably encountered this too, who are just like only gym strong. They can do the three lifts they can do. If you need them to move a couch, you need them to do anything in the real world. It's like suddenly they're completely incapable. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's so true, man. And it's funny because I actually just recently started doing mobility again, because that's one thing for me. I always let slip because it's just not the most fun to me, but I had a daughter and just like getting on the floor and trying to crawl around and just like pick her up and everything. And I was like, man, my back kind of hurts. Why is this happening? And it's, and she's only five months, so it's not even crazy, but um, dude, you're so, so right with that. And actually that, that goes perfectly into what I wanted to ask you is, um, I'm curious of like how old you and your brother are and how your joints are doing because you've been training for so long. And I think one of the benefits is probably joints and connective tissue being healthy with body weight training. I want to answer that question, but I also want to congratulate you on on your little girl. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm actually going to be, be a dad to a little girl myself very soon. My, my wife is doing like three weeks. Oh my God, dude. Congrats. It's the, it's the best thing. I can't wait. Ever dude. I don't know if you could see, but I already got the crib set up. I was wondering if your office was getting taken over. Well, it sure is. <laughs> it's worth it, man. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're super stoked. But um, yeah, what, what was it that you were asking me again? Oh, how old? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, how old you are? And then uh, as far as like joint health and connective tissue, and, and do you feel like that's one of the benefits? Because I think a lot of guys even, so I'm only 26, but even I've experienced and some of the guys my age who have been lifting for even just five years, but I've been lifting for, you know, eight or so years, you get kind of banged up from doing weights five, six days a week for that long. Um, and I don't see that as much with guys like you who do a lot of body weight training. Yeah, I, uh, I'm 38. I'll actually be 39 in a few weeks. And Danny's five years older than me. Okay. And we, we get, you know, joint pain from time to time. That's part of why what I was saying before about we have to back off and we can't train the super intense stuff exclusively. We have to have periods of lower intensity, higher volume to keep our joints healthy. But um, yeah, you know, I, I have a video on YouTube about this where I talk about tendonitis and how I've experienced that I've had it in my shoulders, I've had it in my knees, I've had it in my elbows, you know, a few times over the years. Because sometimes I do get overzealous because I get so hell bent on, I got to get this move. And I get the goal becomes more important than the reality of what I'm feeling in the moment. I'm like, ah, my knee's starting to hurt, but I really want to nail this move by next week. So let me keep practicing it tonight. <laughs> and ultimately you, you wind up, it backfires and winds up taking you longer to get there because then you wind up having to sit it out for a couple months while you recover. And then anyway, long story short, yes, I have had tendonitis. Hopefully I've learned from it. Hopefully it's in the past, but you've always got to be careful when you are training advanced moves, especially moves like one arm pull up, one arm push up, anything that's single limb, the potential for ligament and tendon damage does increase doesn't mean those exercises are dangerous inherently it just means you have to be smart about it the same way like you couldn't do a one rep max on your deadlift every single time you went to the gym or you'd hurt yourself it doesn't mean deadlifting's a bad exercise it just means you have to use common sense with this stuff dude i love the fact that you're so balanced and uh i don't know what the word i'm looking for is but essentially like you you know you're a calisthenics expert and you're coming on here over and over saying that it's not just calisthenics you have to do it's not the best thing it's not like you're 
you're explaining your passion, you're explaining what you do, you're explaining all the benefits, but you're not shitting on anything else. And I really, really respect that. Right on. I'm, I'm glad you can appreciate my perspective. I'm, I'm always have been a big believer that the, the infighting that happens between different cliques in the fitness world is so pointless because really we all have so much more in common than we have apart. The mutual enemy is, you know, obesity and, and the unhealthy foods that are so pervasive everywhere and, and people's sedentary lifestyle. Like why bicker over if somebody likes weights better or they like calisthenics better that we're, we're on the same team. I love it, dude. I a hundred percent agree. Um, something I wanted to ask you too about is uh, building mass, because I think that is definitely up there with one of the top uh, misconceptions with body weight is like, Oh, well, body weight's cool, but I want to get big. Like, what are the misconceptions? Have you had clients or friends or people that you know who have got pretty jacked doing just body weight? You and your brother Absolutely. are pretty, you guys are pretty jacked yourself. So I'm curious of what the, like your thoughts are on the misconception and, and just kind of some science behind how you can build muscle um, with just body weight. I think that <laughs> this very much goes in line with what we were just talking about. But I think that the number one factor that determines what your physique is going to look like is not the modality in which you choose. It's your genetics and your lifestyle. So your muscles don't know if you're using external weights or if you're using your own body weight. They know if you're working them hard, you're giving them rest, you're giving them nutrition. And it doesn't matter if it happens in the weight room or if it happens on a pull-up bar or whatever you might be doing. It can be machines. And then beyond that, people's individual genetics. Some people are going to be six foot four and 235 pounds. And some people are going to be five foot six and 145 pounds. And that five foot six guy, no matter how much he trains, whether he does weights or whether he does calisthenics, he's not going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's just a little guy. And that's cool. You know, people's opinions of what they consider jacked is also so subjective. I get emails from people sometimes who say to me, oh, Al, I, I love your physique. I want to get a physique just like yours. How can I train like you to look like you? And of course, I always say to them, don't worry about trying to look like me. Just try to look like you, but, but a more fit version. But then other people write to me and they say the opposite. They're like, yeah, hey, you could do some cool moves. I'm impressed by your front lever or whatever, but how come your muscles aren't bigger if you could do that stuff? <laughs> so it's just people's expectations vary so much. And some people think that, if they don't look like an IFBB pro, that they're like a puny wimp. And other people realize that to have even a little bit of muscle mass on a lean frame is kind of uncommon, unfortunately. It, it really, really is. And I, I love the way you put it. It's funny, I had a, a college teacher that we, like people would ask him in class, like what's, the, like what's better, dumbbells or kettlebells? And his answer was always the same. He said, muscles are stupid. They don't know, they just know you're working them. And I think yeah. that's, I mean, essentially what you're saying, right? You're providing resistance regardless right. of what you're doing. That's exactly so, right. So how would you, if you have somebody, there's a lot of listeners to this that are trainers and a lot of them aren't dead set on one modality. There is a lot of bodyweight fans. Good. That's You shouldn't be. hundred <laughs> percent. And my question for you is how, what do you recommend? Like, how do you recommend people spicing calisthenics and body weight into their weight training? Like, how do we balance that? Well, I always tell people when they come to my cert, don't go into the gym on Monday morning and do everything we did today with all your clients. A lot of them aren't ready for a lot of this stuff and it's more appropriate to just keep them on their program. And maybe there's one tip that you got from this that you can apply. People get overzealous with this stuff. And as far as specialization goes, like I was saying at the beginning of this talk, I didn't start to specialize in calisthenics until I'd been a trainer for like eight years already. And I only began to specialize in it because it's sort of, found me at the same time that I found it. And there was just so many signs from the universe that this was the direction that I should go in. So if you're new to this industry, you know, you've got to take every client you can get. If somebody wants to train calisthenics and you know a little bit of calisthenics, show them what you know. If they want to train kettlebells and you know kettlebells, show them what you know with that. If they don't really care and they just want to work out, then do whatever you're good at and make them enjoy it, hopefully. Because so many personal training clients they don't have a preference. They just, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to tone up. You know, my back hurts. That's what they're going to come in saying. They're not going to come in saying, I want to learn a front lever or I want to do a bent press with a 26 kilogram kettlebell or whatever esoteric goals sometimes trainers get into themselves. That's not how the general population thinks. 
I love that, dude. It's so, so true. Um, what about conditioning? Where do you guys stand with that? What do you guys do for conditioning? Do you implement that into your programs? Like Absolutely. So I, I've done a lot of distance running over the years and, and that sort of stuff. I've done marathons, triathlon, et cetera. And that stuff is fantastic. And I feel like having done that, even though I haven't in a while, that, that foundation stays with you if you only do a little bit. I think the same is true with strength training. You know, if you've been training for a very, very long time, it takes less to maintain it than it took to get you there. But that's a catch-22 because you can only get to that point through years and years and years of hard work. But that said, I still go for runs sometimes. I like to jump rope. That's kind of my favorite conditioning tool right now. But I'm not so much in the mindset of training conditioning for conditioning's sake. It goes back to what I was saying before. I just like to have fun with my training. So I'll go for a run if it's a nice day and I feel like going for a run and I'm just inspired to do that but I don't have a strict schedule. Like I have to go run five miles today. I'm like, Oh God, this sucks. I don't want to do it, but it's on my <laughs> schedule. So I'm at a point with my fitness where I keep it pretty open-ended and I just kind of go with how I feel, but I've only been able to do that because I've been at it for so long and was so disciplined about it for so long. I have this analogy I use about cooking because I'm not a very good cook and I need to follow a recipe. But there's a handful of things I've made enough times that I finally don't need to look at the recipe anymore. And if I want to make it a little saltier this time, I'll put a little extra salt. Or if I want to make it a little different, I could swap in a, you know, a sweet potato for a russet potato or whatever the heck I feel like changing. But a really good chef doesn't have to look at the recipe ever. They just, they know they've cooked a million meals and they just know how to do it. And I'm finally at that point with my own training where I can kind of just do what I feel like. And thankfully I enjoy the workouts enough that for the most part, I, I never have to force myself to do anything. It's a great analogy. And I think that's really the key, no matter what you're doing, is to build that adherence and just enjoyable, like you want to do it. So you can, can kind of continually do it. Um, you have, you said you have seven books out. So I'm curious, like, what was the most recent book? And I'd love to get a kind of summary of what that's all about. Yeah, we, we can work backwards. The most recent one, it's a collaboration with my brother, Danny. It's called Get Strong. And this book is the first and only book that either of us have done that contains a really detailed program in it. So it's great for someone who's new to calisthenics and doesn't really know how to start. It's pretty good also if you're intermediate level and you want to try to get a little bit more advanced. Really anyone who needs to follow a template, this is the book for them. And we put it together actually because we got so many requests to do a program because our previous book we have a book called Street Workout that we did together that we put out a year before Get Strong. It's almost like an encyclopedia of body weight exercises. It just has descriptions of every exercise that we know and progressions and variations and different training templates and different sample workouts, but no real definitive program that you could follow week after week for months on end. And a lot of people wrote to us like, this is a great resource, but I still feel lost. I still don't know what to do. So we said, you know what? Let's really try to streamline this as much as we can and, and give people as specific advice as possible. And actually, it's, it's the opposite of what I was saying before about my own training. I've gotten to a point where I feel so much like, ah, if I know what the exercises are and I know how to do them, I could just kind of figure it out. But people need more guidance than that. Now, before uh, Street Workout, I had done a couple of books about uh, very minimal workouts. I mean, really, my... my books evolved. I started with, with the self-published one that I mentioned, which was just kind of a general ethos. That book is called Where Working Out, a Zen Approach to Everyday Fitness. And it's the philosophy that I mentioned before about thinking of less of the goal and more of the process. And, you know, it's just extrapolating on that concept for whatever, 40,000 words. And then the next book I did after that, it was a book all about pull-up bar stuff. And this was at the time when uh, I just started working with Dragon Door Publications and we very much felt like this was the, the book that the times required because this type of training was getting really popular and YouTube was exploding with all these bar calisthenics moves. And I couldn't find any sort of real official guide to that type of training anywhere at the time. So I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to try to put this together myself. And then after that book came out, I did a book that was all about floor exercises. So I'd done a book that was all about bar stuff. It's called Raising the Bar. Then I put out this book called Pushing the Limits, which was kind of like a push-up pun. It's all about different push-up variations, different squat variations, handstands, back bridges. And then after that one, I had a book, another book that was about the, the mental side of it, the philosophy. That one's called Zen Mind, Strong Body. 
And again, it's just, you know, what we were talking about earlier about how you can't just think about this purely as a physical pursuit. There's so much more that goes into it in, in terms of the mindset and in terms of the actual practical application of doing the thing. And then I had a book about stretching and then street workout and then get strong. And so it's a lot to, to try to cram in there. <laughs> you got a book about everything, man. I love it. Um, I actually, okay, so I have a I've few. Been doing the thing for a while, Cody. You know, things add up. <laughs> so I have a few uh, kind of like personal personality questions that we're going to run through. Um, the first one actually just came up because you said the Zen thing. I didn't know you had a book about the mindset. Um, what, and my listeners love hearing about mine and everyone I bring on here. Like, what's your, your do you have a daily ritual? Do you have a morning routine? What's your thoughts of like, just practices that you actually use on a very frequent basis to make sure that you are having a strong mind, you're eliminating self-doubt and you're kind of just continually pushing forward. Absolutely. Well, one of the other things that I do in my physical regimen, which is also very much a mental thing, that I don't think I mentioned yet is yoga. I try to go to a yoga class at least once a week, sometimes two, three times a week. And that it's good physically just to get a good active recovery workout, stretch a little bit, get a good sweat. But it's so good mentally because so much of this stuff, it just, it forces you to stay in these uncomfortable positions for a lot longer than you might otherwise want to be in them. And, you know, I mentioned the, the distance running before and marathon triathlon training. So much of that is just about cultivating a mindset in which you are okay with being in physical discomfort and you're just able to push through with it and say, okay, this is what it is. And you're just going to keep doing the thing. So I, I think having done so much physical exercise for so long, you have to cultivate a strong mental attitude to get there. But then beyond that, I've also delved into practicing meditation just on its own. I've been lately doing, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Wim Hof. He's another guy that the same publisher, Dragon Door, that I work with has published one of his works. For people unfamiliar with him, he's all about cold endurance and breathing techniques. So I've been doing some of that kind of training too. And man, Taking a, taking a cold shower is definitely a good mental exercise because you step into that water or if you're already in a hot shower first and you turn the water to cold, and every instinct in your brain says, get the heck out of here. <laughs> but if you just stay, it's like, oh, nothing bad's happening. This is uncomfortable, but okay, I'm cold, I'm wet, but it's okay. I'm in the shower. I'm going to get out in a minute. I'm going to dry off and I'm going to be fine. And it's, it's such a good thing to put yourself every day, multiple times a day, to remind yourself that you're gonna be okay, even if you're a little bit uncomfortable. It's all mental, man. We used to go to this Russian bathhouse and they had the cold plunge in there. Yeah, and I man. Just, dude, I just hated it so much. But it was like, it was like the gym crew. We used to always go there at these like late night gym sessions and it was like a cool ritual. And you know, the hot tub felt great, the steam room felt great. And then we'd all jump in the cold plunge and I was always the first one out. So I know what you mean. And I've done the cold showers as well. And as much as I hate it, I highly recommend it to a lot of people because it is, um, I mean, it's beneficial from a health standpoint too, but it's, it's brutal. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this cold shower thing pretty much every day for well over a year now. And almost every single day, I'm like, no, today I'm not going to do it. I'm just talking <laughs> myself out of it. And every day I have to like go to war with myself. Just be like, just do it, just do it, just do it. <laughs> it's a little bit easier, but it's still, it's still a battle. The working out, I finally got to the point where I just, I just do it every day and I don't question it and I actually love it. And I think my understanding is people who do the cold training for enough time get to that point too where they're just like, there's no discipline to do it, but it's like, yeah, this is, I love doing this. And I think a habit, you know, when you do it for long enough, even if you hate it, it just becomes a habit. And that's what happens to me with this cold shower thing is even though I'm mentally trying to talk myself out of it. I'm just so accustomed to doing it that my body just goes through the motions in the beginning anyway. Yeah. And I think like from the mental standpoint, you're so right, man. Like just being in a situation that is extremely uncomfortable um, and knowing that you're going to get through it, it's going to be okay. It can apply to so many situations in life. You know, I talk about resistance all the time because we all face resistance in everything we do. And it's usually yeah. on the other side of resistance is exactly what we want from a success, yeah. happiness, joy, whatever. comes from inside, right? We think 100%. it's the outside world pushing on us, but it's our own insanity, our own neurosis mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah, dude, I think that's so huge. Um, the next personality question is, this is because I'm really into this stuff too, is like tattoos. Yeah. When did that all happen and why did 
what is causing you to get so many, man? Like, I mean, I actually am finishing well, my leg sleep tomorrow. It looks like you have a lot yourself. So yeah. the tattoos, I mentioned at the beginning of this that I started getting into working out as a teenager in part, because, you know, I, I grew up in kind of a rough area in Brooklyn in the, in the eighties and nineties. And, you know, I just didn't want to get my ass kicked. And that was part of my motivation for, for getting my first tattoo also. And I just thought they looked cool and I thought they were badass. And, you know, but uh, I started with, I got a little tiger on my left shoulder here. And then not that long after that, I got a little one on my other shoulder. And then, you know, you start creeping your way down. Got one on my bicep, got one on my forearm. <laughs> little by little, you know, eventually they all stay there. You keep getting new ones, you know. Other stuff, you do it every day. It's gone the next day. The tattoo, it's still there. So you keep getting them, they add up. But I, I think tattoos and working out have a lot in common, not just, you know, like the, the physical appearance thing, but to go back to what we were talking about, the mental stuff. You have to endure something that's physically uncomfortable because there's something waiting for you at the end that's, that's rewarding. So true. And I've actually never looked at it like that, but it's funny because, so I just started my leg sleeve a couple of weeks ago and I actually have another appointment tomorrow. And when he got to my knee, it was- Oh, the knee's brutal. It was the worst thing ever, like compared to anything. And I just remember just constantly thinking like, this has got to fucking end. This has got to end. Come on, man. Did you get the um, back of the knee yet in the, in the pit? Yep. Yep. You thought the kneecap was worse or are you including the, the pit in this? I, I felt like the, the cap was worse, but I think okay. he, so he covered more of the cap than the back. So I got to go back in and we'll probably be more in the back next time to finish it. Um, Cause I'm going all the way around my whole leg, but um, it was brutal. But again, like, like you said, it's funny how much it applies to just like that resistance. Like I'm okay. Like at the end of the day, it's all good. It's not like yeah. I'm not dead. And I think that applies to so much. Well, tattoo more in life. takes a lot longer than, than a workout. Than most yes. workouts. It does. Marathon, I guess. Especially it if it's a big one. Especially a leg sleeve. It takes, takes a lot longer than a workout. And certainly a lot longer than a cold shower. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing about, so I, I didn't realize that, you know, when, when blood flow goes to an area to heal and there's nowhere for it to leave because the limb stops, it gets kind of swollen. Yeah. I went on a, I went on a birthday hike like the next Ooh. day. Dude, the whole first week, I actually called the tattoo guy. I was like, man, should I go to the ER? Like, this is crazy yeah. swollen. It's like, nah, man, you're good. And it ended up healing up. But fuck you, that was, well, that was brutal. The next session, just sit back the next day, keep your leg elevated. Exactly, man. So, um, okay, so the next one, if you can answer this, mm -hmm. what is the grandmaster plan for Al in the next three to five years? Like, where do you see all this going? Well, you know, right now, I mentioned earlier, I'm going to become a dad very soon. So that's really big thing that's on my mind so just trying to be a good dad to my daughter is is the is my main goal for the next few years and, and hopefully to keep my business at least going at the same level that it's at you know I'm, I'm at a point where you know if things were to go to the next level and I were to become you know like a mainstream success or whatever you want to call that that would come with its own set of pros and cons and I'm kind of good where I'm at, kind of being a guy who's well-recognized on the fringes. You know, with, within my community, I'm doing very well, but I realize that that community is a small niche, and I kind of like that. So we'll see what, where things go. I'm a big believer that, that making plans is kind of futile. You know, you just take it one day at a time, and the path unfolds, and whatever the universe has in store for me, I'm going to keep working hard and taking advantage of whatever opportunities come my way, and we'll just see where that leads me. Dude, I love that. And I'm sure that's a, it's a good attitude to have to eliminate uh, stress and anxiety. Because I think a lot of people's anxiety stems from uh, focusing so hard on the next step and the big goal yeah. and constantly moving forward. So I can it's, assume. It's, it's, it's a double-edged thing because, you know, the thing that makes us driven, it comes from a place of feeling inadequate. It comes from a place of, I need to be better. I need more. I need to get stronger. I need to be more successful. I need more money, whatever it might be. But then when you get to a point where you have success and you have all of those things, that part of your mind still exists. So on the one hand, you want to say to yourself, hey, man, relax. You're there. It's cool. You made it. But on the other hand, you're still that same person. Hopefully, you're still that same person. And frankly, if you don't keep pushing, it goes away anyway. So, you know, they say failure is only temporary, but the same is true of success also. So you got to keep hustling. you got to keep grinding because it's all about what have you done lately. That's the reality of the world. Dude, it's so true. I love that, That's man. That's the reality of fitness, right? You could be in great shape. People already say, oh, back when I was in high school, back when I was in college. <laughs> now they can't even move, but they're living in those glory days. It's like, that doesn't matter. I don't care. 
You know, if you're walking around with a black belt, but you're a big fat old man who can't move, that black belt doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> no offense to anyone in particular. <laughs> Uh, it's so true though, man. It's, it's so true. All right, dude. So the last, the last one I got for you is something I usually like to ask my, my guests. It's the same question every time. Here's your situation. You're at a dinner table and you have three empty seats right in front of you and you can choose anyone to be in those seats alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. So does that mean I can't choose you? You can't. <laughs> well, I mean, shit. well, I'm we're friends, friends now, now, so you can't, yeah, yeah you can't now, man. So who, who's going to be in those chairs? Man, that's, I that's appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you saying me though. That's a good look. <laughs> Thank you. No, so wait, what are the rules again? That alive or dead is okay. Uh, alive or dead is okay, but they cannot be friends or family. They cannot be friends or family. All right. Well, I guess for for all the the strength training people listening, I got to give it up for Arnold. You know, he he would be at the table. Before I was into fitness, and still, you know, one of my lifelong passions has always been music. So I'd, I'd have to have John Lennon there. And for the third one, hmm, it's harder and harder, you know, now that I only have one last pick to choose. I chose a fitness inspiration. I chose a musical inspiration. I guess I have to choose maybe an art inspiration or a tattoo inspiration for my third one, or maybe a philosopher might be a good one, a thinker. You know who I'd like to have for my third? I was just thinking this through. Alan Watts. Are you familiar with Alan Watts? The name, yes. The detail, no. So he's, he's one of my all-time favorite writers, and he's a guy who's inspired me a lot in fitness, even though nothing that he's written has ever been about physical fitness. But he was one of the first Americans to bring Zen Buddhism to America and one of the first people to write about it. And I think one of the most eloquent people to write about it. If anyone's curious to find out more, he wrote a book that's simply called The Book that I think is really <laughs> worth reading. And it's, it's a trip, but it's, it's an eye opener. And uh, yeah, he would be the third guy I'd love to have there. Dude, that's an, that's an awesome table. I, I actually really, really like that table. And it's funny how many guys in the fitness industry i've had on here say arnold schwarzenegger but i agree um i mean he's done so much so you can't not, say, you not kind, say arnold i was right? kind of expecting bruce lee to be honest with you you seem like a bruce lee guy well i wanted to only pick one fitness guy you only let me have three okay. i didn't have okay. any wrestlers either you know i got you it's well thought out arnold it makes sense got man. the nod for for all of fitness but yeah bruce <laughs> lee and yeah maybe uh maybe hulk hogan or or ultimate warrior Oh yeah, Ultimate I guess Warrior. Warrior would be better because he's dead. So that's that'd be even cooler to have dinner with them, right? Yeah, there you go, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed uh, it was a chatting, pleasure. man. Yeah, so uh, fill everybody in on where they can find all of your stuff. You got a lot of books. You do events. Yeah. Fill us in on everything. So the easiest way to find me, I think, is through Google. If you just put in my name, Al Cavadlo, and it's a tough name, but if you put in Al space K A V A, it's gonna know you're looking for me. Google's really smart. <laughs> So you'll find my website, you'll find my books, you'll find my YouTube, you'll find me on Instagram if you're looking for me there. Same thing, Al Cavadlo. That's the great thing about having an unusual name. And this is actually, I think, a quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger. A name that's hard to remember is even harder to forget. And that guy had a really hard name and we all remembered it. I like that, man. I, and you know what? I think that can apply with I hate to call my name weird, but I got the nickname Cody Boom Boom a long time ago, and it has never left. And people don't forget. I'll meet people at events, and they're like, oh, you're Boom Boom. I remember you. And I'm like, oh, well, it works. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do? I love it, man. Right well, on. once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Right on, Boom Boom. It was a pleasure. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. 
The next thing is gonna be functional muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes chart. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.